welcome back. My name is Adrian. My name is Aaron. And this is To Teach One. To Teach One. <laughs> <laughs> That's a thing now. Yeah, it's a thing. It's becoming a thing, you know. Um, you know, you got to try some things every once in a while and just see how they work out. Um, and until the day that Adrian gives me the, uh, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. Um, it's okay. We're going to be recording mean? some professional intros and that, outros very that's soon. That's true. And, so. and I just want our listeners to know that when you hear the very professional intro and outro, that it's only because all of mine were rejected. I had, I had a Ricola-themed one. You know, there was one based on some 70s TV show uh, theme the songs. Hell no. Um, you know. On to teach, you know, I mean, like the Love Boat theme song. Does anybody remember Love Boat? No, nobody watched Captain Stubing? No. It was great because you had like like 10 people get on the Love Boat every day, every Friday at like 7 o'clock. I used to watch this when I was a kid. By the end of the show, like Charo, remember, remember Charo? She would dance. No. no Love would be found. Her. People would be happy. And then they would leave the Love Boat all like arm in arm like, hey, you know, thank you, Captain. Well, I found my true love. I, I'm so happy for them. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> Jeez. Love Boat. Dude, we're, we're the Netflix era. I don't even think they have Love Boat on Netflix. No. That's how great a show it was. <laughs> it's so good. Nobody wants when to they watch were approached, it anymore. When Netflix approached them, they were like, what's you wrong can't with afford, you? No, you can't afford us. Never. <laughs> anyway. So what did, what did we talk about last week? So last week uh, we heard uh, Dawn's story. Um, we really got to talk about uh, addiction and recovery. And it was more about the recovery, which was amazing. You know, what is it right. like to be sober, you know, past the year? What does it look like once you're successful again and right. yet you still have to maintain sobriety, sobriety maintenance? Right. So the crash and burn story has been told over and over again. Sure. Right? But then we yeah. talked more about what it's like after the year and yeah i just i didn't think about it before but the the uh, significance of that year is that it's a year of firsts you know first sure. christmas first this that and the other right yeah yeah brad pointed that out which was really neat you know it was brad right yeah it was brad yeah so I, I had never really thought about it that way but you know he's totally right right yeah and what's kind of cool is coming up we're gonna hear brad's story absolutely Don's gonna be forward back to that. and yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be really good and you know what i did last week what oh yeah Half yeah, marathon. You ran the half marathon. Congratulations to yeah, you. Thank you. Yeah. Not just congratulations to you. You know, Allison is in here too. We That's haven't really introduced right. her, really her yet. yet but, but since we're talking about it now, let's just go ahead and congratulate Allison too. Congratulations, Allison. Just, thank you. Just so strong. I, I admire you guys. I remember the suffering of last year. <laughs> and I didn't run anywhere close to the miles <laughs> you guys ran. So, you know, I just know what's ahead of me now. I'm going to get ready. I think I'll do it next year. Are you thinking about doing... The half? No, next. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's going to be the half. That's what I was thinking about doing. So I'll start training as soon as possible. I mean, I'm already doing this uh, year-long transformation journey. So I'm going to be documenting that pretty soon. You're going to see a bunch of stuff on IG, you know. Yeah, there's going to be some stuff. I'm very excited to hear about that. I didn't even know anything about it, so... Yeah, I've been preparing slowly but surely because, I mean, you know, just to kind of set myself up for success versus, you know the latter right mm-hmm. and if i'm going to be on the podcast talking about all this health and wellness stuff you know i better live it you know and yeah. so you know that's something that i'm going to do and you know i'll kind of talk about it a little bit more once i start which is really really soon it's gonna be fun i, I can't wait to because <clears throat> adrian actually what's awesome about this episode and right here is the two people who are directly responsible for me even starting to run are now in the room 
So I That's when, so true. It is so true. It was your fault <laughs> last night. Yeah. It was. And I'm seriously so proud of that. You should be. I like the way you just rolled up to me too. I don't know how you you were just you just asked and I was like, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I asked so many people. Yeah, and I thought, here's an here's something I've always wanted to do. I still smoked like ten to fifteen cigarettes a day at that point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I uh, I was like, yeah, you know, why not? This is a good time, right? And then it was so funny because as it began near, I was like, well, maybe they've got too many people and they don't need me. And, and then Adrian was like, no, man, we've already been doing it. And then Adrian was responsible. We told the story before. You know, first time I go out and run, I like run, stop, run, stop. The second time Adrian's just like, no. No, no. The first time he ran, he ran a block and a half. Well, yes. Now that was... And, but, and stopped. But that was because we'd already down. worked out. But th- that was the that was the very, very first run. Yeah, yeah. And I admit that I was also not feeling it, right? I was just like, I want to stop too. But I didn't, right? Because I'd been there before. He was just getting into this whole thing. But yeah, then eventually... Yeah, that, that second time he was like, no, just don't stop because that's so key. Because it's all in your head. Like, you're not going to die. Do yeah. your listeners have content in terms of context i guess in terms of what we're talking about yes with the relay and everything like that so they understand how the running started yes i've told the story that you know you suggested because we all happen to work at the same place and you suggested that we should all run together in the uh, marathon relay and i had never even i didn't know that existed and then we formed, you know, two different teams and we ended up doing it. But it was a challenge, you know, especially when you've never ran. Like, yeah, know, I remember when two miles was a big deal. I mean, I still have days <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> where my plan is to go out and do, you know, minimum four. Right. And a mile in, I'm like, it's been, it's, I'm good. It's good. Yeah. I'm yeah. good on I'm that. Good. Well, what's cool is you went on from there because you did the, the relay too. I did do the relay. And now you've done a half marathon in Alaska. Correct. Which is super cool. Super know, right? cool. Yeah. yeah. And what did Congrats. you do last Sunday? You did the... I did the 10 miler, the urban 10 miler. See, that looks like more fun than the half marathon. I have a question. Sure. So I remember we spoke before you went to Alaska and you were like, oh man, I'm just going to boss this because of the altitude, right? So here's the thing. So that was a half marathon and then you did uh, the urban 10 mile on this weekend, this past weekend, right? Which one was more challenging? Oh, interesting. 1,000% the half. Okay. Because while altitude carried me gracefully for probably (laughs) eight miles, that particular um, trail, I guess, is Mm -hmm. totally uphill the last mile and a half. Oh, wow. Like it's a literal switchback the last 0.75. Oh, great. To the point where I was cussing out <laughs> yeah. the makers of this trail um so altitude did me no good because yeah. i was just gassed and it was it was just so challenging well this and this i think is such a beautiful race colfax right because mm-hmm. it's so well supported in the community we right. have like twenty thousand runners and the police are out there like there's so much support i think from the community yeah and it's flat mm-hmm. and your run, the half is an out and back, where the urban, we join the full... Full marathon, yeah. And you get to mm. run right to the middle of Denver, which is super awesome. Super awesome. Got to run through Broncos Stadium. Yeah. It's and not I all was, flat. No, it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> it sure isn't. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, I, I will 100% do that again. Oh, yeah. I, I kind of want to do, I don't know if I want, I want to go for the full marathon, but I might just try for a fast half marathon. I don't know what I'm going to do next year. Yeah. Because it was amazing to me to look at the results. And I finished, you know, like 260 out of 400 in my age range, but just realizing that, you know, that many people my age or older ran that much faster. It's pretty awesome. Oh, I got lapped by children. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's plenty of gazelling going on out oh, there, especially yeah. with you. You, you, you had you, you guys joined where the full marathon runners, because that's yeah, that was our leg too, right? Yeah. For the relay. Mm-hmm. Well, she did our leg plus the leg plus, before. Right, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I remember that experience. Those just dudes that were just, it's Cruising. like they had just started running, and I'm like, yo, it's crazy. When, <laughs> when you had literally just started running, yeah, yeah. and they are 16 miles in, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. It's yeah. insane. Yeah, the mind of someone that's just, you know, what are they like tapping into? I don't know. It's interesting. So, anyway, before we get too far into you know, the marathon in, story, into, into the yeah. marathon story, if you'd like to, we did do an uh, episode on how to run a marathon, and that is episode number 8. Uh you can definitely check that out at www.toteachone.com and that's uh www the numeral 2 t a c h numeral 1.com. Um, or we usually post them on uh, Facebook, yeah. <clears throat> not so much Instagram, but if you want to uh, find us on both those platforms, uh, Instagram and Facebook, you can do so at T-W-O-T-A-C-H-O-N-E. Right? <laughs> you knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever get used to that. <laughs> Just like I'll never get used to getting into your car. <laughs> it's so low. It is, it is very low. I, I hate it ground. every single time. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So... I think that's. Uh, I actually have a question. It's 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 great that we just talked about that. But before we get into it, so the, uh, this week's topic is grief and loss. We kind of went back and forth as to what we wanted this topic to be because it was Allison's first time on the podcast. Hopefully, this goes well, so she can come back because you know she's super sassy and fun, and you know we'd like to have her back. Oh yeah, Allison uh, is one of is our coworker. She is a licensed social worker. Um, currently working in substance abuse and you know she's also our friend you know we definitely you know tap into her as a resource for you know the real if you want to know what's really going yes. on <laughs> just go counseling. just go just go ask Allison hey so Allison when I'm doing this and I'm thinking this does what it does mean, that mean? That? she's like yeah, okay cool yeah well and yeah just a little a quick story like my brain and I told her this it was kind of funny has decided when I dream that she is the archetypal therapist, right? So when I have a dream, and like I, I had like a therapy session with Allison in my dream. You were, probably were healed. I was. It, like, it was really good. <laughs> Instant uh, one session. But I just think it's funny. Out of all the therapists that I know, my brain was like, yeah. That's the that's gonna be the image. I mean, to me, that's like the greatest compliment that your subconscious is yeah. <laughs> connected with me as the therapist, and yeah. so that's like the highest compliment ever. So I'll take that. Cool. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, she's an excellent, excellent therapist. Oh, yeah. um, she charges thirty thousand dollars per hour. <laughs> yes. But but guess what? You're healed after that. That's right. One time. That's I mean, you can, either, you can either go to someone else for five years, right? <laughs> so I think Adrian owes me close to $5 million at this point then. I mean, if uh, not more. Minimum. If not more. Minimum. I mean, it's been once a week now for a, li- a little while. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But worth every penny, though. 
Thank you. All right. No, all jokes aside, Alison's amazing. And that's mm-hmm. why, you know, we yeah. wanted to get together and talk about grief and loss. Um, we chose this because, uh, well, early on this year, and I think I've talked about it because it's the whole reason why I started the podcast. Um, unfortunately, I, get, I didn't get to start the podcast while my grandpa was, you know, still with us. Um, he passed in uh, uh, November of last year. And... Things just happened really, really fast. I ended up having to travel back home, came back here and found out that Allison had also had a loss in, you know, in her family. And I mean, I was still numb and, you know, Mm -hmm. dealing with, you know, my own loss. And I didn't even know how to to reach out to Allison and say, say what? You know, because I was in that space where I I was like, I mean, I know what it's like, you know, what are you going to really say, you know? Um, So I just waited until I saw her. I remember talking to Ashley and I was like, yo, how's Allison doing? And she was like, yo, you know, she's, you know, she's, she's doing as the best she can. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I I can relate to that, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So just real quick before we get into it. So we were just talking about, you know, running. So you've been getting ready for, you know, the race that you just did. Allegedly. Kind of. (laughs) Allegedly. Kind of. I mean, did that even play a role into like helping you go through, you know, this really tough period? I mean, just, just strength. I just thought I'd ask because we were just talking about running. And I know for me in the past, I've used, you know, my gym sessions to, you know, kind of help me through some really tough things. I think that's a great question and call out because the reality is, yes, a thousand percent. I remember you know, being home days after, you know, having experienced the loss. And the first thing I wanted to do was just to go out and go for a run. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's just you and your brain. And I think, I mean, somatic experiencing and, you know, processing with bilateral stimulation, which can be your legs, like walking and talking and Mm -hmm. just even the – rhythm of running is really therapeutic and healing and i mean especially in the early days um yeah i totally leaned on running because it's such good self-care it's both right right right? we can really turn to really crummy ways of of handling and then we can try to do things that are helpful and you know good release and get all the feel goods going too when we need like a thousand extra than normal right Right. yeah bring on the endorphins yeah yeah, so it's like, you know, I guess it's a balance, you know, part Hagen does, part, you know, getting ready to run <laughs> yeah. in the Colfax Marathon, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a balance, you know. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know uh, I uh, often use running. I mean, it's and it's interesting that you talk about it, like the bilateral stimulation mm-hmm. in that, because I'll have like moments of just insight into just whatever's going on in my life while I'm running. You know, like Absolutely. mile seven, I'll be like, oh, yeah. It's funny because I will process things. I can, I don't know why my brain does this, but like I will, if I were to walk into a room, I can, I'll scan it and I will go back later and like go through the whole thing and remember things that I didn't remember or pick up on during that really? moment. That's yeah. And so I can do that when I'm running and I'll think of things that I never even thought I huh. you know, had considered or, Oh, I remember this one thing from that I need to do next, you know, whatever. Yeah, right. It's a really good way of organizing my brain, I guess, is the like mm-hmm. most simple way of 
of stating it. Oh yeah, totally. I know I know tons of people, like really successful people from all walks of life that say that that's when they do their most important work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when they're running um, I totally believe that. Or or at the gym or some, you know, mm-hmm. whatever whatever that looks like, right? Well, and I think when we're doing some sort of like physical activity, it's it's working out those pieces, but it causes us to just sit in our brain, right? right like right. it really, I think for me, has gives me clarity because mm-hmm. yes. then I'm exhausting kind of the body, but I'm allowing my brain to also get through whatever it needs to or feel or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and I think it is like I think it's a healthy way of of being able to do that. It's very meditative, especially yes. long distance running. Right. You know, because yeah, once totally. you get past like mile three or four. <laughs> once you get past the, this sucks. Yeah, right? <laughs> Why did you know, I sign up? Why did right? I sign up? Your brain's going, hey, do you even need to do this? Mm-hmm. Like, didn't you do this last week? <laughs> you have to run again. Like, you're good. You're, like, you know, you're not overweight. Anyway, so once you get past that point, right, and you yeah. keep running, you kind of get into this deep reflective state. And I know, you know, I have some things that I, I think about a lot that uh, some large problems that I like to think about. And I'll just let my mind roam, you know, and just see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I'll have like an epiphany and be like, oh, okay, well, there's a piece to that puzzle. As well as, oh, yeah, there, here's this thing that's been going on in my life. And I should probably do this about that. I don't know. Yeah. Think, think about some, some deeper things. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I haven't told many people this, but I actually found out that my grandpa had died when I was at the gym. Mm-hmm. Like I was mm. in the middle of doing a set and my phone goes off. Uh, we were about a couple of days away from actually going back home to see him because he had just been in the hospital. And, you know, my, it was my cousin calling. And I mean, I think I knew something mm-hmm. was up when I saw who was calling because mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, she doesn't call me. I mean, I know she loves me and stuff, but right. she doesn't call me. Uh, yeah. And, you know, she told me and it was it's very interesting. I've never really talked about exactly what happened in that moment mm-hmm. because I I was lifting my weights, put them down, talked to her and got off the phone, sat back down on the bench and and finished out my set. And yeah. I finished my workout and I left the gym and I just I just kind of like, you know, kept going. I don't, I don't even, I can't even explain or like even try to explore what was going on. Mm-hmm. Was I blocking? Was I, I mean, what, I what's totally really... totally get that. I mean, I don't know if I was numb. I mean, you know, you just, you get the news, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I think part of it is the fact that I had already prepared myself in, in, in many ways, you know. Yeah. Because we've talked about it. I think we talked about that in uh, episode number three. Three, yeah. Um, which was, uh, which we titled uh, "Cancer from Our Perspective," right? And we're just yeah. talking about this experience that we had, mm-hmm. um, you know, dealing with our, you know, loved ones being, you know, terminal. Yeah, that was an intense episode. It was very intense, very therapeutic for oh, us. Yeah, uh, really I don't know if it, you know if you'd like to give it a listen. We just kind of, you know, talked a lot about uh, what our experience was like, and so, so yeah. I mean, I'm not sure exactly, you know, where I was, like what space I was in. Um, but I'd prepared, mm-hmm. you know, because like, you know, you get the news that someone's ter- terminal and in many ways, especially with cancer, people, f- you know, immediately you think this person's going to die. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, that's the thought we get. You know, it's not necessarily true, but that's that's definitely where my, you know, my thoughts went, um, even though I wanted to be really, you know, positive about yeah the whole thing. You know, I think, too, because I remember being at the bedside when my mom passed away. And leaving the hospital and it not, I don't, like, again, I can totally relate. I don't know what I was thinking, 
because I was just like, this is what we need to do. This is what, this is what happens next. Right. Just mm-hmm. on to the next thing. There was all this business and stuff to take care of. Right. And I'm kind of glad there was. So I didn't really have time to just process that lot. And nor do I think your brain will let you right then. Agreed. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Right. It's just like, okay, in order to prevent you from just falling over and bawling, just focus on what you have to do next. So I had to do this and I have to take care of this and this has to be taken care of. And now, now this happens and now this happens. And that's just what I did. Is that what they call a disassociative state? Yeah. So what you are saying is really this idea, right? That when we are hit with a tremendous amount of trauma, like we, we will certainly, we can certainly dissociate, right? Yeah. And we sh- we have, we're separate. We can really do linear, logical, rational things, which isn't right. emotional processing, the right. depths of what we're feeling. Sure. Um, and it's almost like a safety mechanism, yeah. right? Like I, I can't do this. I can't tolerate this. Yeah. But I can get in my car and drive. I can mm-hmm. try to, you know, make arrangements, really things that are clear cut. But one of the things that I do think – things that are also helpful to call out that shift are like it is actually really hard to eat sometimes like it Mm. is your brain really does change right like the things that you are capable of doing also shift right right? it's almost like your hierarchy of needs like you can do basic things but some things are actually really hard and like that's really normal too yeah it was so interesting i immediately i immediately like within a week the whole house was it was was different. Yeah. Like because you know we lived in the same place, and I immediately was just like, okay, this is what happens next. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I do this and I do that, and it was almost like for the first few months, nothing. Like I, it was as if I did not experience any kind of loss, and then later on, yeah, it hits you. Yeah. Well, and you guys are talking a lot, and I'd say this often we're in this club right yeah right and i jokingly refer to it as like the sad club or like the club no one wants to get invited to and yet here we are like (laughs) right and when i say that i mean it affectionately (laughs) and just that like when you have something you've experienced and you know that there are other people that have experienced it being able to connect and find those people that will just understand without really having to explain yourself because a lot of it a we usually can't explain sure none of it makes any sense none of it, yeah, right. it's, not it's totally new right right and you don't really need to like i don't i mean i don't think you should have to i think the whole point of for me wanting to talk about this is just this idea that like you're just important just by being like whatever you're feeling is just is just what you're feeling and it's important to have somebody sit in that space with you validate that support you without doing a lot of what i think what our normal responses are when something terrible happens is like things will get better right yeah <laughs> right. there's a reason for it and it's uh, like maybe mm, not yeah <laughs> like, i don't know about all that right now maybe not i don't know yeah right and it doesn't typically help this despite mm-hmm. the idea that positivity is supposed to be uplifting and contagious it's it can also feel like bullshit yes (laughs) in really early loss or like yeah Yeah, you don't want to hear that you don't want to hear it you know what's it just occurred to me um does anybody know you know who Patton Oswalt is the comedian yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and he lost his wife man uh, yeah and he did um 
a comedy special after that, and he talks mm-hmm. a little bit about that. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But like, if one more person, <laughs> 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 you know? and I remember that because everybody wants to say that, and and you're like, I don't even know what that means right now. Right, I have, right. You know, like right. the loss is so enormous because uh, sure. you know I had lost my father at a very young age, so it was my mom and I. You know, there was a the stepdad right. at, at a certain point for a little while, but. It was mainly just me and her my entire life. And so the enormity of the loss was mm-hmm. so great that I'm like, I don't even know. It like turned everything upside down, right? Right. I thought I had like a, a firm idea, at least in my mind, about what happens when you die, about what the afterlife is, about what life's about and all this stuff. And I really would tell people, and this probably has something to do with my father dying young, that death didn't affect me. I'm like, mm. everybody, at some point, everybody's got to go. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's okay. Right? I'm, right. I'm, I'm good with that. I'm ready. You know, right. no, no. That's that's definitely yeah. But you definitely don't want to hear those platitudes. Even though later on you're like, okay, well, I get it, right? So, in a lesser situation, I can say everything happens for a reason. Like the girl doesn't call me back, or or maybe even later. Yes, maybe later. Right. On. Even later. Yeah. But right, right then, no, you don't want to hear that. No, it, yeah, definitely doesn't help. I mean, they definitely mean well, but that's you know that's why the sad club right. is, is 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 important. important. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Because it's very much like you know it's it it goes. I, th- I feel like it follows the same vein as you know those that are um, can f- uh, relate to the shipwreck analogy, right? You know, yes. the people in recovery, the sad club members, they do know, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. But you know, and they know it's more about knowing that yes, we can't do anything about it like now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, knowing that we can't, there's, there's just someone to hold space, basically. Yes. yes. Just someone to hold space. Just hold space. And I think a lot of the response comes from our want to, like, help others. And there's this sense of helplessness when we're witnessing somebody just kind of be sad or yeah. the enormity. Yeah. I love the word enormous, yeah. right? Because sometimes it just feels like... The, your world is totally different. Like, yeah. and you're still getting your bearings on like, what is my new normal? And I do think people want to help, right? Like, right. yes. And, <laughs> and this is an important one. And just hold space, right? right. Like, I remember being at um, the celebration of life because I recently lost my brother. And what's interesting is how many people are triggered by your loss, Hmm. right? And so I had so many people come up to me and basically ask me to hold space for them while they shared their grief over how this triggered their loss of their sibling or I've recently lost my mom last year, I get it, or like, oh man, I I can't imagine how you must be, and like projecting almost their emotional responses onto Mm me. And pretty naturally, um, as a therapist, I can do that. <laughs> I can hold space for you. Right. Um, but then this like slow burning rage <laughs> building of just like, how how dare you ask me to do that for you today? Yeah. Couldn't you have chosen another day? Literally <laughs> any other day than today. But there's also this weird explanation, this, this weird understanding of like, when someone asked me to do that, I was willing to because it took me out of my shit right. for a minute. Yeah. Right? So this weird acceptance of like, yeah, I'll do that for you. Right? What, and I wonder, is that like a, a way, because this is what I, I found and what I noticed a lot is that people don't know what to say. When you're sure. that sad mm-hmm. and you're that, 
you know, everybody feels sorry for you mm-hmm. and nobody really knows what to say to you. Nobody knows what to say. And that's so why I, I think, keep it short. Yeah. And so I, exactly. And I think that's the way, like if we were given that advice, I think that would be it. But I think people have this tendency to want to relate to you. Like if I say I play baseball. Right. Mm. Me too. Like, in sixth grade. Yeah. You know, and all right. Like, yeah. This time I made the team and then they tell me their story mm-hmm. and, and I'm like, okay, that's cool. You know, and normally that's not a big deal. But then when it's like that, you're like, okay, but. That's your story, and that's great, but this is happening to me right now. So what I really want to hear is, like, just sorry for your loss, and how can I be of service? So that was my question. Is there, what is the right, what is yeah. the way to do that, right? Because what I do is I keep it short. I just say, you know, my condolences. If you uh, if you need anything, mm-hmm. yes. you know, you can reach me this way, or, you know, and that's, I leave it at that. Well, and I think that in in terms of like the day of, I'm sure it's it's just a really brief thing. We had probably over 500 people at our celebration. Yeah. And so it was very like very quick. But yeah. I think the other thing is if you're going to ask somebody how they're doing after, really understand that they a may ask, actually respond to you authentically and are you capable of doing that, right? And like mean it, right? Don't come and ask questions because you want to know what's going on like in the family. That feels Uh, really invasive. Mm -hmm. But also like don't avoid either. Like don't purposely avoid me because you're too scared to honor or address my loss. Mm -hmm. Right. Like this is now who I am. Yeah. Right? Does that like does that make sense? Oh, completely. And right. I know on one of your notes, you talked about like some of the unexpected things. And some of that is totally unexpected from people. And you're like, is this person avoiding me now? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. It, it can change your relationship with someone forever. I mean, as far as even if you come back and you can learn to forgive that person, mm-hmm. it's almost like, in, you know, in your hour of need, they were absent. And you can not quite forget that. Like I, I remember I have a friend or... You know, I used to have a friend. <laughs> and and let me say that, you know, our relationship was already strained. I had uh, pulled some, you know, as a as a heavy drinker for many years, I pulled my share of uh, shenanigans. But still, I had people who I'd also done that with who understood me, who showed up then, right? And kind of put all that to the side and showed up for me. And one person sent me an email. <laughs> and uh, that was our last communication. <laughs> Because I was just, I was sort of floored, you know? I was just like, you know, thanks, but really? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're sorry, but mm-hmm. you're not sorry enough for a phone call at least? I mean, I, I get that you're not in this state, mm-hmm. but you got my number, you know? It's interesting because as you're talking and as we're having this conversation, this idea that I'm, I feel like I'm setting it up so there's no right way or wrong way, and that's <laughs> definitely not it, right? Sure. And. I guess it's for me, and this is just important to me, I think, as a person too, but like, just show up. Yeah. Like you just said, just show up. Like if you're struggling, then struggle with me. If you're you're sad for me, then name it. If you're, um, you know, anything, right? Just show up as you are. Yeah. Because I'd rather that than yes. That's one of the most unexpected things I think from this process. And I don't think you know until you know, right? Mm -hmm. It's one of those things of like, you don't know until you know when you go through this. But like, I didn't expect for the people to show up for me that did yep. and for the people that I expected to that did not. I know. And it's it feels like this complexity of grief because it's not just one. 
right? Like I didn't just lose this huge, enormous person in my life, but I also lost these people that I thought I would have. And I don't. And I also now may not want to share this with you Mm -hmm. because you weren't there for me through this process. And like, that's okay because (laughs) like that's okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. It's almost learning. And yeah, I guess, you know, we could parse that and try to figure out what's going on in somebody else's head, but you'll never really know. Mm -hmm. No. But, you know, certain things happen and then you sort of know how you feel about it. And that's Mm -hmm. all you can really know. Mm -hmm. And so no matter how much time goes by or whatever, like that happened. And I get that because I have done that in other people's lives through being an alcoholic. Like I have said some things that I don't even remember saying that people are just like, yeah, but you said it. Right. And, And that's, that's the... That's our relationship now. Right. And you can't ever come back from that. It's one of those. Yeah. You know, I just learned that recently. You know, sometimes when you tell people who you are, right, Mm -hmm. I don't hide it anymore. Um, That changes things for them because they've had a relationship with uh, an alcoholic in their life or who knows why. Oh, yeah. But, you know, things happen, things are said, and they really can't be taken back. So um, that was surprising for me, too. Well, and we just talked about when, when someone tells you who they are, believe them. Yeah. Right? When yeah. people show you who they are, believe them. Yeah. Right. Right? Because right. the people that want to show up for you, that are capable of showing up for you, and that changes. Like, I think that sometimes in the acuity and the intensity in the beginning, someone's ability to be able to do that for you is not a lot, right? Yeah. It That changes someone's ability to be able to sit and be present. Maybe it's really intense in the beginning and then, you know, it kind of filters back. Maybe it's really intense with the people that are in your <laughs> club, yeah. right? right. Yeah. Because they really get it and your relationships change and strengthen because of that. And then that was kind of the journey for you two's relationship. Yeah. And then it changes. Yeah, who like knows it's, what the future holds. Exactly, yeah, yeah I think... I think that's okay too, is that yeah. you'll really connect to certain people. Maybe some people will fall away and then they come back when they need to and, and yeah. maybe they don't. And, and that, can that be okay too? Sure. Right. And I thought it was interesting what Adrian said, because I sort of take the same, having been through that major thing, like when I hear it's a, a huge loss and it's not somebody that's like super close to me, then that's what I'm like, hey, I'm you know, really sorry. Sorry. You know, if you need me. Let me know. Like, and, and and I mean that. Like, if you need me to bring mm-hmm. chicken soup or like, right, you, right, you exactly. can call me and be like, hey, I don't feel like making food tonight. Can you bring something over? And I'm there with some food. Right, exactly. Yeah. But because I may not be close enough to you to be a person that you're going to like confide in and like, I'm going to call mm-hmm. you and we're going to talk for two hours. And that's cool, right? Because everybody has those people. Right. And then you have people more on the periphery. But you just want to be of service and you know, like, I'm not going to come up to you. It's all going to be okay. And all that. you know, you don't want to hear all that. Right. Just, I'm here. If you need something, I got you. Otherwise, cool. Just, you know, because that, that, those first weeks of, of that are just, you know, it's just such an interesting thing, grief. It's, it's, and I think that's why it's really cool that we're doing this uh, topic because, you know, we're a health and wellness podcast and grief tends to be, at least in my experience, one of those things that people, it's talked about more now, but not a lot. Like people don't really think about it. You know, it's more of a, okay, you're going to get over that. Let's talk about something that's not as complicated because I don't want to think about my own death. So I certainly don't want to help you mm. deal with the one you just went through. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I think, it, I think it's really, it's, it's interesting and it's kind of brave. Like 
using episode three as as like a benchmark, right? I don't mm-hmm. I don't know how people willing are to participate in those discussions because it brings up something, mm-hmm. you know, for them, right? And you know, regardless of what that looks like, you know, we decided to do this one because it's more important for us to do this and perhaps reach teach one, reach one person, you know, that really needs it yeah. at the right time. Yeah. And, you know, maybe they can be there for someone else, you know, and there's so many aspects that affect, you know, these kind of discussions from happening. Um, I mean, culture is one of them. I was just mm. talking to a friend, you know, about this. And I was like, you know, it's interesting because I have, I live, you know, in this, this dual life, mm-hmm. right. Where uh, at this point I've lived in this country longer than I was back home, you know, in Africa, in Kenya. And, so culturally, you know, I have, you know, the same duality going mm-hmm. on, right? And in some ways, I think a lot about how it may not be kosher for me to be having. Some people will, you know, perceive what I'm doing as taboo mm. and not okay. Really? Absolutely. In the in the Kenyan culture? I mean, it, yeah, like I, I suspect like people back home, there's All some right. people that I, okay. may think that it's not okay. To talk about. That I'm talking about these things right mm. especially for anyone especially so it I, I, I must really think this is important to have really brought it up in this way because anyone who knows me and Allison did for the long, longest time i'm super private mm-hmm. about stuff oh yeah i am I'm, my vetting process is tight and okay? years long <laughs> took me years a long, long. time yeah. to get on oh, his oh, list I know. <laughs> of like I, please talk to me yeah i still like sometimes you know i know like, he'll tell me when he wants me to know. You know, I don't get, like, super inquisitive. Well, yes, but you know. it's also because at, at some point someone mis- told me something, right? They were like, yeah. first of all, just because you have something to say, or, okay, so, like, so you're talking about how someone, uh, uh, you know, uh, can come and ask you, uh, you know, or say, oh, you know, or, or someone will ask you, how, how are you doing? Or like, you know, and they all they want to do is to get the scoop, right? Mm-hmm. So we never really know why people are asking, you know, for something you know what i'm saying like are they using are they do they generally want to know or is it something you know they just want to get that knowledge for you know whatever it is there's many angles right absolutely and and that might be also i try not to be too like judgmental when it comes to that part of things because then trust like (laughs) i don't know anyway my my vetting process is like super tight, right? right and for yeah. me to be able to like speak about this here mm-hmm. when I don't even talk about that kind of stuff or, or in the past, I haven't talked about things like that on social media, right? Mm-hmm. I, used to, I used to talk about how people get way too personal on social mm-hmm. media, right? Yeah. Um, I've chosen this time because I am trying to like honor my grandfather's memory mm-hmm. because he was like a community leader and, you know, I think I can help. You know, yeah, I think I think I can change things as far as you know, like well, this is the norm. You know, this there, sure. there may be a paradigm shift, or I may at least be one more you know cog. Yeah, you know to that help, that, help happen. that happen. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, because that's the point. And you know, it's not just to tell our stories, but to reach people and to help them deal effectively with the same issue. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's you just know. like being in the rooms, right? Mm-hmm. Someone told me if you think it's worth saying, right say it in the room because you might be thinking, oh, maybe it's not that important. But there's someone in the back, right, who's in like week number two. They're totally on the same, you know, wavelength as you are. And they're like, oh, my God, you know, at least someone else is feeling this, you know, and, and you help them. Yeah. 
Well, and I think that's one of the major pieces that I wanted to to talk as well. And you guys have this beautiful platform, but this idea that like we really connect through vulnerability, right? right. Obviously, Brene Brown, who is literally everything, <laughs> um, she talks about it so much. And I think that that when you can see that or feel that, you know, someone knowing someone else has this experience and like they're talking about it really openly, right? And like also talking about the uglies of it. Like this is really just hard, right. you know? It's not very graceful either. We usually get up battered and beaten and like yes. looking yes. like shit and like that's yeah. okay. Like mm-hmm. that's really normal. And I think speaking to the... I think transparency that you talk about, especially on social media. And when I talk about people who, from my experience, are – I like to identify them as like trolls. Like they just ask questions to feel a part of it, right? Mm. But like I don't think that everyone deserves that, Mm. right? There are pieces of this that feel really intimate and that that you really want to protect, right? Yeah. And I think that's also another piece of this process of like I I really wanted – I really struggled when I found out the news on do I post this and do I share this Mm, um, on this platform like social media. And ultimately, I came to the fact that like everyone's going to know, right? Mm. (laughs) This isn't my secret that I can just keep really close to me um, because I didn't want anyone to know because I didn't want it to be real, truthfully and then taking the step to be able to say like hey this is you know how do i say this gracefully how do i it's almost like facebook is your obituary at some point because you get to just create the narrative of what you want to say about this person if you choose to go this route yeah and that process i think is really beautiful and really different and really challenging and the whole social media aspect of grief in general those are the things that were the landmines for me that I didn't anticipate. Interesting. And by landmines, I mean no way could I have prepared for, known, anticipated, braced myself, avoided these things that like – I, you know, I wouldn't have known when you have somebody, I think, especially in an out of order death, right? When someone is a little bit younger, yeah. right. um, because my brother's death ended up going, you know, his post, he went viral, right? Enough to where like our local news station picked it up and I was interviewed and like, you don't think about those things necessarily, right? I don't think yeah. we always would have anticipated that, yeah, this would have happened and we would have been this um popular or whatever that that word makes me cringe but yeah right right in its know. truest sense not yeah, right not like, like high viral school. or whatever yeah, right right um on social media and, and that's where a lot of i think a lot of it invites commentary that i don't know that everybody also i didn't personally like want and interesting was yeah. really happy to like hear people's experiences that i would never have heard of if i was in a different era where like we did calling hours and people came and said kind things. This was like, yeah, I remember this one time you did this thing. And it was so instant because of social media. Interesting. Right. You know, yeah. it touched a lot of people. That's a fascinating aspect that I don't think I really have thought about. It's how much social media affects the grief process. Because like you said, in the past, for instance, when my mom passed, um, 
this was before Facebook. Facebook existed, but it was before it kind of took off. I mean, MySpace was still a thing. I remember having a MySpace page and <laughs> you know, I had my music. And, I think I still have one. Yeah, Were we all know. just like coders? Like, how did we? How did we do that? I don't. I, don't know. I still don't know how I like learned how to do MySpace. I don't though. know, but I had like a, I used to love it because you would go on the page and like my music would be there and like this is the song that represents me today. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to change it there. Anyway. So that didn't really exist the way that it does now. Like, you know, it's on your phone. And as soon as somebody says something, bang, you you can read it right then. Uh-huh. And plus, the friends that you had then, the people who would come to the funeral, they were like pretty good friends. Mm-hmm. Whereas the social media touches a lot of people who, A, like you said, if if it does happen to go beyond your little sphere and people get involved who may not really know you. And they may just be there because the story interested them or right. they saw it on their feed right. and they, they met you once in third grade. And, you know, so you have this whole other realm of people who are now involved in your grief process mm-hmm. that before they might have read it in the paper two weeks later. Right. And been like, right. oh, I think I know her. But they would never actually comment to you or come to you mm-hmm. and say things. Right. Whereas it just gives them this platform to say something immediately mm-hmm. for good for for ill right something they may not even you know they're commenting on a situation and yet for you it's very personal mm-hmm. and it makes me think too how much you know it makes me think of what i say in a new light sometimes because you hear a news story exactly and you you think of it from some kind of political aspect or some kind of social aspect not a person like this is somebody's right mom this this is is, my story yeah this is somebody's real life and you're commenting on it from an aspect of it's a news piece and and that just you didn't really have that unless it was a big deal and it really was in the news and even then you didn't hear it people commented over breakfast they didn't uh get on facebook and tell you about it because it didn't exist yeah such an interesting piece to to grief it is. You know, I'm, I'm, thanks for bringing up the landmine thing because I just remember, and, and thank you so much for uh, continually, continuously checking up on me and going, hey, how you doing? How you doing? Like every chance you got, you did it today. Uh, you did it earlier when we, when we were texting, you know. So, so thanks a lot for that. You know, not just you, but also, you know, our other member of the SAD club that was going to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know who you are. Um, we love you. Yes, yeah, we do. Definitely. Definitely love you. Um, and, yeah, it was it was really good to have you, you know, check in with me um, and bring up the. I remember when I, <laughs> the first because I kept going, no, no, I'm, I'm good, I'm good, I'm managing, I'm managing, right? Because I was still numb. Everything had happened so fast, mm-hmm. and it was such an enormous, you know, loss. Um, even now, I still don't quite understand where I'm at in the grieving process, you know. Um, and I remember when you brought up the whole landmine, you know, this whole concept. And I was like, yeah, that's that, that makes so much sense, right? Yeah. Because, you know, I'm just going along doing my thing. You know, I'm feeling fulfilled. You know, uh, there's a lot of great things about my life, right? But then something happens and it triggers this, you know, just just this great sense of, you know, loss. You know, I remember exactly, you know, where I'm at, what's going on. And... Yeah, you know, from time to time, it was just like it was all bad. So, you know, thanks for checking in with me. Literally anytime. 
right? Yeah. But it's and it's that like beautiful gold ticket membership that you don't want to give out and you yeah. don't want to give, but you you're in it and I think you get it and you can see it. Yeah. And I think the landmines, I think this is a really personal thing. Like it's so subjective, right? And I remember um, going and in, in playing volleyball, which is one of my huge pieces of self-care and, you know, being able to do things like going and just doing something, which was really necessary for my process of just like being a human, right? Mm-hmm. And also like nurturing my soul and sitting there and being like, I think I had gotten on social media really quickly um, and I I saw that my brother had liked something or and we had liked it together. Yes. And this weird moment of like, oh, my God, <laughs> it's not real. Like, oh, my God, I wonder what he's doing. It's the moments that are like autonomic. They're like an auto- automatic response of you forget. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You forget and it's like a little paper cut and you just keep getting them. Mm. That's how I would describe Mm -hmm. landmines is like you never would have known. I never would have anticipated seeing that like we had a friend in common. Right. Would be so hard. Right. Because it's like, oh, man, I did not expect that. I didn't. I couldn't have anticipated it. And you're just walking along and then, you know, there it is. Freaking hit a landmine. And those are the things that I think are. A, totally normal, right? B, come out of nowhere. Like, how you handle that is do your best, right? Like, sometimes I hit a landmine and I can, like, okay, I get back up and I dust myself off and I'm like, all right, yeah, girl, you did it. Clap, like, high five myself. And then other times I, like, lose 30 minutes or an hour or half of my day because it doesn't, it just sits with you different. Like, your day shifts, you Mm -hmm. know, your mood shifts. And I think, I think that's okay too. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So the la- some of the landmines, <laughs> like you said, they're not expected, right? So there's some things like, uh, so we lost one of our clients uh, early on this year. Yes, we did. And my, what kept happening is I'd go to check the mail yep. and mail was coming for this person. Still coming. Still coming. And I'd think about, I'd see this person's daughter's face mm-hmm. because, you know, I was with this person like just a little bit ago, you know? Um. And then I'd start thinking about, it's so interesting, like the world is just continued moving, mm-hmm. right? Like this mail is coming mm-hmm. and like this family is just going through this this thing, man, you know? It, it was so, and then I start thinking about, you know, what's going on. And and that's the other that's the other layer to this. I'm dealing with all of this from such a great distance. Yes. Right. So when whenever I'd see, because I'd be kind of on the outside looking in and mm-hmm. thinking about this family, right? And then I start I start thinking about my family because mm-hmm. it feels the same way. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Because I'm so far away. Yes. I'm a part of this family, you know, but I'm not there. Like, you know, because that's our home is in is in Africa, right? Like my this is my second home. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I've lived in both places for so long now. They're both home. Uh, but then, yeah, I start thinking like what's going on, you know, mm-hmm. like what am I? what am I missing out on? Like, you know, can I be a support for someone? You know, I'm the oldest, like, cousin, you know, we're spread out. Like, there's all these things that I have no real answers to, Mm -hmm. you know? And then I I also felt like, uh, I don't know, like, we, like, it's interesting because when we're we're at the service, one of the, one of the pastors talked about, 
how it's important that at this point more than ever we work very very hard to stay together mm-hmm. because when you lose a figure like that in a family very often uh it can just cause this like ripple like this mm-hmm. weird phenomenon where for, for whatever reason you know we just kind of lose touch mm-hmm. and and i was like okay fine you know i i understand that and i've always been one of those people that you know works hard to stay connected with you know various people in the family and so now I was like okay cool so I'm just going to do I'm just going to do me because that's what I do anyway right uh, but I didn't notice that you know like I stopped getting messages from one of my uncles when it was an everyday thing he'd send me jokes and this and that and whatever right yeah. and it wasn't just me he was sending them to he used to send them to all like his his people right but then I started thinking perhaps I First of all, Adrian, it's not just about you. It's not that he's not sending you those messages. He's not sending anyone those messages perhaps. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, you know, he's not feeling as humorous as, you know, he did, you know, uh prior to, you know, this, you know, event happening. You know, and um it's just been really interesting trying to navigate all of this. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, there's no blueprint. There's no There's no blueprint. No, there's no way. No. Yeah, it it's all this stuff is just unfolding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Yeah, it often feels like you're just along for the ride. Mm-hmm. You you totally Cause, are. Cuz I know that happened with my mom. Um she was not the matriarch of the family. Um her mom was still around, but she was the linchpin. Mm-hmm. And after she passed, you know, watching everyone sort of do their own thing and I recently got the news that one of my, in fact, in the past three months, two of my uncles have passed away. And it was kind of interesting because at this point, we were not close. And, it, you know, my family is, is complicated by the fact that I did a lot to distance myself from my family, especially after my mom passed. And then, you know, seeing, just kind of reflecting on that, how at one point we were a very close-knit group of people. And just after that event, everything changed. It was like everyone was sad. And I, and I get it. They were sad. Everyone was super sad. They loved my mom. And because she had, you know, four brothers and she was the, the only sister. And everything just kind of changed after that. It was, uh, it was very interesting to, to watch that, especially yeah. from this distance, because it has been 11 years now. Mm-hmm. So I'm a member of the SAD Club, but from a, a different perspective, you know. Well, and that's one of the things when we first started talking about this that I think it's helpful to highlight is that every single loss is so different, right? And it takes on a different response. It takes on a different feeling. No matter how many I think you have, too, I don't think it it gets necessarily easier. They're just different. Because, yeah. right. right, I've, like, lost other folks. You know, my partner recently had lost somebody. It, it can't, comes in threes, however you want to look at it, right? Like, and it doesn't matter who, but I think it matters that it impacted you and it will probably impact you forever. Sure. And that it, even if it is different, it's still important. Mm. Right. Like, however, the space and time. Right. Like that was that was still such a significant loss. And I think I'll go through this forever. Mm -hmm. Right. Like this idea. And so Megan Devine wrote this book. um, It's okay that you're not okay, And that somebody sent that to me, actually. Um, 
literally, like, I got home from the trip. It was in my mailbox. They saw what had happened, and they were like, I hope this helps. And it was really something I kind of kept going back to. Um, And one of the quotes that really, really resonates with me from that is that, um, and I'm going to read it because I don't want to get it wrong, but some things cannot be fixed. They can only be carried. Yeah. Megan Divine. Um, Some things cannot be fixed. They can only be carried. Grief like yours, love like yours can only be carried. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to hear that quote because my mom lived, so she was, uh, she was a widow and my father had passed when I was three and she really never recovered from that. Mm -hmm. Like she had some views on the world that I won't go into great detail with, but that could only really have come from experiencing some, some severe loss and she was, you know, sick her entire life. Like, it's funny, like, once I realized and kind of looked at her life, the fact that she had made it to where she did was a miracle in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting because that's what she did. Like, she carried that loss of my father. She never really recovered from it. Well, and I think that that's something to point out just because there's also this weird societal expectation of how long we should be grieving for. Yeah. Right. I think culturally, even in the United States, we get like what three bereavement days or however many days. Right. right. It's such a short amount of time. And it's almost comical that like this significant thing has happened. Your life has probably changed forever right um see you on monday (laughs) yeah oh by the way that report is still due yeah we still we still need that stuff or we still need you to do that and for me that is that duality that you were talking about um adrian in terms of like being a therapist Mm -hmm. and then being a human right and having to do both right like how do i hold everyone else's stuff because that's my job. Oh yeah, right. When I have so much of my own stuff, right, yeah. right. And how do you do that well? You know, and and how do you do it at all? Right. And so, it was literally a day by day thing. Some days mm-hmm. are certainly easier than others, and it was at times literally like moment to moment, hmm. like just get through this. And in some ways, being able to compartmentalize my own stuff and say like this is my job, I need to do this, allowed me to set it aside yeah, so that I could just show up for another person and, you know, and do my work. Um, right. And it, that was really helpful too. And But like learning and knowing all of the things that I know about how to do it well, right? I'm air quoting, you can't see yeah. me, but how do you grieve well? And yeah. some of the things... Th- unfortunately are real like they're very true right like when people say like exercise is good for you it's good for your brain no it really is like you know therapy super good for you right um sitting down and talking to people really good for you like as much as it seems counterintuitive to sit and be like here's all my stuff like yeah i'm having a really crummy day and just to have one person see you and just be like that's okay yeah like, that's really powerful. And that's one of, like, the major things that I really wanted to point out, like, in this conversation is, like, it's all normal. There yes. is no normal. Like, you're just doing your best. Just and, show up. 
And I think it, it's interesting because until I did that, my one response was anger. Oh, yeah. Like, I look at who I became, and it started when she got ill. Because I, I took it like a champ, I thought, right? They were like, well, you know, she has cancer, and here's what we're going to have to do, and here's the thing. No problem. But I became an entirely different person. And it was all anger for years and years and years until I began to unpack that. And that was actually just a couple of years ago that that even really began for me. And it all revolved around just telling somebody how I really felt, like not having to be the A student. Like I'm not in counseling to win the award for the best uh, counselee. <laughs> and I had such a hard time with that. Like, right. And until I broke that through the process of, you know, really – overcoming alcohol. I didn't realize how the two were so related, but they are. And until I overcame that, nothing happened, right? Because I I, I thought there was a right way to do it. And I wanted to be that guy. Sure. Like I wanted to be the exception to the rule. And just realizing, you know, like it's not how it works. Just say how you really feel. And it, then it begins to get better. Right. And I think that that's huge. So yeah, I agree. Totally. Well, and I have said this, I said this throughout the entire process, especially really in the beginning, but am I a healthy person who's using healthy coping skills, right? Air quoting for the rest of my like life, right? Am I, am I just doing it because I know that that's what I need to be doing or should be doing? Or am I an unhealthy person that's doing these coping skills that are healthy and just, co- and just getting through? And eventually I had someone say, does the answer to that matter? Oh, yeah. And I oh. was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> You're totally right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know that it really matters at all. Yeah. Because I, I was talking, we were talking earlier before we actually started recording about um, exactly that. And I had a lot of questions about whether or not I was actually going to start, you know, doing the podcast and, you know, all of these things. Because um, it was a lot. Remember, m- many times when you asked me how I was doing, I'd be like, Uh, I think I'm managing, but it's a lot. It's Mm -hmm. a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just love what you said earlier about, you know, how am I going to, it's that duality, right? So I do this thing for work, right? And that's a lot of stuff. There's so much energy there, you know, this, you you need, there's so much you have to give there, right? But then I have all of this Mm -hmm. other stuff that's my own stuff. And, you know, I'm just going to pat myself on the back because, I mean, I've really, I think yeah. I've done a really decent job of surviving. I'll call it that, you know, um, through this, you know, because I have to be there for other people. Yeah, that's what uh, we do. That's what we do, you know. Like uh, Brad said, we love you until you learn how to love yourself. Yeah, right? it's, a, it's literally our job description. Yeah, yeah. I, I really loved the way, you know, well, maybe what not he literally, said about but, that. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was... Uh, it's it's been really interesting, you know, trying to you know figure all of this out and navigate the the process of just getting through it, surviving, mm-hmm. you know, and using those uh, coping mechanisms. Hello, so this is a, a little break. We're gonna make this a two part episode because it's really interesting and it went a little bit long. Yes. So this is just gonna appear right in the middle, and it's gonna be the end of episode one of. Uh, the grief, the sad club episode. We're not exactly sure what we're going to name it yet, but yeah. it's going really well. And we want people to tune in for part two. And we thank Allison so much for being a part of this. Absolutely. So uh, from all of us at uh, Two Teach One. My name's Adrian. My name's Aaron. See you next time. Yeah.